1: To sing it out to the Lord. I want my heart to be open before him. And beloved, I guarantee you, the word of God shows us over and over and over when our hearts are open to the Lord and when our hearts are hungry for the Lord, he will meet us there. But if we're filled with the junk of the world, and if we're distracted by the events of the day or whatever, beloved, we're going to miss it. And we're going to wonder, well, I don't know. It's just, just another time at church and somebody else is gonna say oh man what a great time we had last sunday morning or last really i was there what service were you in we miss
0: it you can have very different experiences coming to worship before the lord if you come with your mind full of the events of the day you will likely have a hard time connecting with god but if you come in with a heart that is open to god he will show up and meet you there In his message today, Pastor David will encourage you to come to worship with a heart that is eager to meet God. If you find yourself distracted, ask the Lord to clear your mind and meditate on Him. Now here's Pastor David in the book of 1 Kings chapter 7 as he continues his message, Lust, Greed, Rebellion, and Destruction.
1: in the 11th year, in the month of Baal, which is the eighth month, the house was finished in all of its detail according to all of its plan. So he was seven years in building it. Of course, chapter 7 tells us he spent 13 years actually building his own houses, but it was seven years in building the temple. But he built more than one house. He built multiple houses all around the nation as well as multiple houses. You got 700 wives, 300 concubines. You need a couple of houses, okay? So all of this construction though, as you read through it, if you would take the time to read through it, you find out it was absolutely magnificent and there was absolutely nothing that was spared in the construction of it at all. And, and just the size of it all was impressive enough. But then you find out that, that all throughout, not only the temple, but through these palaces and summer houses that he built, we have gold and silver and bronze everywhere, these immaculate carvings down to the smallest of detail towering columns, these pillars that were built with, again, perfection. He got the the greatest craftsmen from around the nations of him that came and helped him to build both the temple as well as these palaces. Then in chapter seven, it gives us more of the detail of the construction of the temple as well as the house for Pharaoh's daughter. And again, all made with costly stones, all of them cut to perfection. The furnishings, the the altars, the lampstands, the tables, the lavers for washing, the basins, the bowls, the ladles, everything down to the finest detail. We find out that in the midst of all of this, that there was never a a saw or a hammer uh, there as they built it. It all had to be built away from it. It was a pre-construction temple. In essence, they built all the stones away from it, brought it in, and set them in place in perfect order to build just the beauty, the magnificence of it all. Uh, we look down in chapter seven, verse 47. It says that there was so much that Solomon didn't weigh all of the articles because there was just so many. The weight of the bronze wasn't even determined. It just kept coming and kept coming. They kept building and kept decorating these things. Verse 51, so all the work that King Solomon had done for the house of the Lord was finished. And Solomon brought in the things which his father David had dedicated, the silver, the gold, and the furnishings. And he put them in the treasures of the house of the Lord. Absolutely magnificent. Absolutely spectacular. Just mind-blowing not only the construction and the detail, but the richness of all of it. And you think, well, man, what a waste. That's just, that's just material stuff. But beloved, you need to understand, they were doing this to speak to the nations around them of the greatness and the splendor of their great God. So when these people came in and they saw the temple to Jehovah, the one true God, they realized, man, that we, we ain't got nothing like that back home. This is amazing, and God had provided all of this for them to do it. When the construction was all completed, it was time then for the dedication. We get to chapter eight, and again, this, this, this is one of those crowning moments in, in Solomon's life, and you, you cannot read chapter eight and these prayers and these blessings that, that Solomon is giving here and, 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 and not understand that Solomon's relationship with God was a powerful one, was a powerful one. But at the same time, the man blew it because he got his eyes off of God and he was led by his flesh and by his appetites for his ego and every other thing. Look there in First Kings chapter 8. All the construction is completed. So Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, the chief fathers of the children of Israel to King Solomon in Jerusalem that they might bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord from the city of David, which is Zion. Verse three, so all the elders of Israel came and the priests took up the ark. Verse five, also King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel who were assembled with him were with him before the ark and they were sacrificing sheep and oxen, beloved, that could not be counted or numbered for the multitude. Again, just the adoration, the praise, and the worship of the majesty of Almighty God. All of this going out. Verse 10 It came to pass when the priest came out of the holy place that the cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. That Shekinah glory of God that filled the tabernacle during the desert wanderings, the very presence of God that was there, when Moses would go in to speak with God, when the priests would do, again, the, the services within the tabernacle. But now even greater here in the temple, we see the glory of the Lord coming in, so powerful, literally driving the priests out, not able to continue to minister because of the very power of the presence of God there in that place. Can you even begin to imagine what it would have been like to have been there that day as the glory of the Lord just filled the house of the Lord. I believe that we we would have all been on our faces. We wouldn't happen to go to the mountain. We, we wouldn't need to go to the mountain to get the, the shine of the Lord. It would have been all around us. It would have overwhelmed us. There's no way that you would go into that place on that day with a casual attitude, with your mind someplace else or chit-chatting about the game this last weekend or where we're going to lunch or what's going on. No, you're going there and you're gonna meet God because God is in that place and such a powerful, powerful time. The glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. Oh, that that would be every time we would come together. And I know, hey, you know, I, I say that I realize, okay, man, that's that's just such a such a crazy wish, just a, such a way out there desire. But you know what? I think that God wants to meet us when we come together with Him. I think that God wants to show Himself when we come together with Him. But the problem is, you and I both, we we get distracted about a multitude of things. We get distracted because what so-and-so said when when you came through the door. We get get distracted and, and our attention is drawn away because this is going on or that's not going on. We get distracted because we don't come in and truly focus on receiving from the Lord. We just kind of going through the kind of going through the motions. I want to come and ah, oh, we'll worship for a bit. We'll chat for a bit. We'll hear a, a, a Bible lesson. We'll go back home and go about our week. But how many times do we come and say, you know what? I want to go into the house of the Lord, and I know God doesn't dwell in the temples made with with stone and brick and mortar. I know that He dwells within our hearts, but how many times really can we look and say, "You know what? I, I want to go. I want. I want to really meet God this morning, because my week has just been hellacious. My, my man, everything has has pushed and pulled me all week long. I want to leave that behind. I want to come in. I want to meet God in this place. I wanna come in during the time of worship and I just wanna, man, close my eyes and if I don't know that particular song, that's okay. I'll let everybody else sing and I'll just keep my eyes closed and worship the Lord. But if I know that song, man, I wanna sing it out and I wanna sing it to the Lord, not to the people in front of me or behind me. I wanna sing it out to the Lord. I want my heart to be open before him. And beloved, I guarantee you the word of God shows us over and over and over when our hearts are open to the Lord. And when our hearts are hungry for the Lord, he will meet us there. But if we're filled with the junk of the world, and if we're distracted by the events of the day or whatever, beloved, we're going to miss it. And we're going to wonder, well, oh, I don't know. It's just, just another time at church and somebody else is going to say, oh man, what a great time we had last Sunday morning or last. Really? I was there. What service were you in? we miss it because we're not ready for it. In the midst of all of this, everything that's going on there at the temple, that, that dedication and the, the glory of the Lord coming down and filling his house, Solomon stood before the people and Solomon himself turned to the people and he blessed them. And then he fell on his knees and gave glory to the Lord for all that he had done for the nation of Israel. And Solomon asked that this temple would be a place of remembrance and focus for the children of Israel. As they live their life and, and they, they turn around and they, they seek uh, other things, they fall into sin, would this be the place that they could turn and they could find your presence? Lord, that this would be a place that when they're going through trials and troubles, that they would, again, see the beauty and the splendor of this and recognize the majesty of who you are and they could find and experience your peace in their life as they turn toward this place, that the Lord would hear them when they turn back to you by recognizing your greatness, that you would hear them and that you would come to their defense. He also made confession. He asked for God's forgiveness for the sins of Israel. Look down in in chapter eight, still verse 62. In verse 62, then the king and all Israel with him offered sacrifices before the Lord. And Solomon offered a sacrifice of peace offerings, which he offered to the Lord. Just a small little peace offering, okay? 22,000 bulls 120,000 sheep so the king and all the children of Israel dedicated the house of the Lord now that's a barbecue guys <laughs> all unto the Lord and and you you realize it in these the people were able to share in these. It wasn't just that it was all burn up. No, they, they, they shared this. It was just a great time of celebration, a great time of, again, giving glory to God. Now, following all of this, chapter 9, gives us this grave warning as the Lord appears to Solomon now for a second time. Look here in chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. It says, and it came to pass when Solomon had finished building the house of the Lord and the king's house, and all Solomon's desire, which he wanted to do. In other words, there was nothing that was holding him back. He had all the riches. He had all the resources. He could do anything he wanted to do. He built everything that he wanted to build, his stables, his his courtyards, his palaces, his summer houses, the palaces and the houses for all of his wives and for himself, all Solomon's desire, which he wanted to do. Verse two, that the Lord appeared to Solomon the second time as he appeared to him at Gibeon. The Lord said to him, I've heard your prayer and your supplication that you've made before me. I've consecrated this house, which you've built to put my name there forever. My eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. In other words, when they come into this place, God's gonna be paying attention to them. Verse four, now if you, here it comes again. Now, if you walked before me as your father David walked, in integrity of heart and in uprightness, to do according to all that I've commanded you. If you keep my statutes and my judgments, then I will establish the throne of your kingdom over Israel forever, as I promised David your father, saying, you shall not fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. Verse 6, but if you or your sons at all turn from following me, Do not keep my commandments and my statutes which I've set before you, but go and you serve other gods and worship them. Then I will cut off Israel from the land which I have given them. And this house which I've consecrated for my name, I will cast out of my sight. In other words, he's gonna leave it, never to return. And Israel will be a proverb and a byword among all the peoples. You gotta realize, this is the height of Solomon's reign. They've got so much power, so much authority, so much influence over all of these nations around him. And God is saying, Solomon, if you start following after these pagans, if you start seeking after these idols, all that you see here is gonna be done away with. Verse eight, and as for this house, which is exalted, everyone who passes by it will be astonished. And they will hiss and say, why has the Lord done thus to this land and to this house? In other words, when I leave it, people are going to walk by and say, wow, this was their God's house. What a mess it is now. Verse nine, then they will answer, because they forsook the Lord their God, who brought their fathers out of the land of Egypt and have embraced other gods and worshiped them and served them. Therefore, the Lord has brought all this calamity on them. Beloved, that is quite the declaration and quite the warning. I don't think that's just a warning just for a king. I believe that that warning hits for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord as their God, as their Savior says, man, you start following other things. There's so much you're going to lose. Maybe we don't have a big temple that's built. Maybe we don't have you know, a huge amount of lands. I tell you what, when we walk away from serving the Lord, when our heart gets, gets filled with other stuff and suddenly we're over here and we're pursuing things, we lose a tremendous amount. We become, in essence, the byword. What our lives were. Versus what they are now because we've rejected God. But it also helps us to remember that the Lord is not impressed with great buildings. He's not impressed with with great works of man if the heart of man isn't right before him. He says, that big building, that's no big deal. You start walking away to those idols, I'll tear it down. I'll let it be destroyed. Because buildings are not as important as your heart is to him. He cares more about your heart than he cares about your comfort, your wealth, your ease. He wants your heart. He wants our hearts to be right before him. And beloved, he loves us so much that he's willing to do whatever is necessary to keep us focused, on him. As beautiful as the temple was, and even as it was de- dedicated to the Lord, the Lord knew that if man's heart wasn't right, then the building, the ritual, and the ceremony meant nothing. It was all a lie, and it would be all for nothing. So we move on into chapter 10. The queen of Sheba comes down. She's so impressed by Solomon. And again, we see this continued expansion of Solomon's power, this continued growth of his wealth. We see his continued fame with all of the nations. But soon now, that fame is starting to move into his head. And we read here in the opening verses, actually now of chapter 11. But King Solomon loved many foreign women, as well as, ready for the list? You are my one and only, along with the daughter of Pharaoh, the women of the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Edomites, the Indianites, and the Hittites. But you're my one and only, along with them. From the nations of whom the Lord has said to the children of Israel, you shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you. Surely they will turn away your hearts after their gods. Word tells us, and Solomon clung to these in love. And that's spelled L-U-S-T. That's where Solomon's heart was headed. He had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives were. Turned away his heart. Verse 4 For it was so when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, as was the heart of his father David. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Amorites. Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and did not fully follow the Lord, as did his father David. Then Solomon built a high place for Camish, the abomination of Moab, and on the hill that is east of Jerusalem, and for Molech, the abomination of the people of Ammon. And he did likewise for all of his foreign wives who burned incense and sacrificed to their gods. So the Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned from the Lord God of Israel who had appeared to him twice. It's interesting, you would think that God would say, okay, boom, you're, you're gone, that's it. Solomon, suddenly a heart attack take him out or whatever. But well, we know because of God's love for David, he tells Solomon, I'm gonna take this kingdom away from you, but it's not gonna happen in your lifetime. It's actually gonna happen in your son's reign. First Kings chapter 11, down in verse 42. And the period that Solomon reigned in Jerusalem uh, over all of Israel was 40 years. Then Solomon rested with his fathers, was buried in the city of David, his father, and Rehoboam, his son, reigned in his place. If Solomon was the wisest man in all the earth, his offspring, Rehoboam, was the dumbest. Okay, I mean, really and truly, you see, you got this right thing going in in how your dad was treating the people, but Rehoboam he decides, well, I'm going to ask all my all my street buddies how I really ought to be a king. He didn't seek the wise counselors of his fathers. No, he looked among his peers. And the peers tell him, hey man, what you need to do is you you need to really tax these people. You don't think he had enough money? Solomon died. This Rehoboam had anything and everything that he would have wanted. But yet his buddies say, oh no, tax them even more. Do you think maybe the buddies wanted a piece of the action? And so he followed after that. And so he began taxing and mistreating the people. And so the Lord raised up them. Then Jeroboam, who had actually worked with his father and Jeroboam along with 10 tribes went off in rebellion against Rehoboam and thus they formed the northern kingdom Israel and Rehoboam tried to maintain control over the southern kingdom of Judah and that's where the division takes place right after Solomon's reign.
0: Surprisingly and sadly, too many followers of Jesus are Bible illiterate. They know a few basic names or facts, but the abundance of truth and love inside this great text is getting lost. This is why Pastor David feels it's necessary to take some time to work through the Bible in this series, and we're so glad you've joined us here on The Open Word for It. Each time you tune in, Pastor David will be giving you an accurate and succinct dialogue of a book of Scripture, pointing out the key passages and truths that everyone needs to be aware of. If you missed any part of today's message or any part of this series, we encourage you to visit our website. You'll be able to listen again at theopenword.com. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, and please feel free to share these teachings with your friends and family. Everyone can benefit from this Through the Bible series. Are you in the Casa Grande area? If so, Pastor David has an invitation to extend to you.
1: Every message you hear on The Open Word is one that I shared here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande, a great church where I enjoy my role as senior pastor. I'd love to see your face next time I get up to teach, and I'd really enjoy meeting you afterward. Please consider coming on out and joining us this weekend. You'll be able to find all the information you need at theopenword.com. Just click the Calvary Chapel link at the bottom of the page,
0: See you there. Thanks, Pastor David. That's all for today. But join us next time to continue through the Bible here on The Open Word.